Welcome to the Creative Plan Podcast Network. Join us as we share our favorite RPGs, one-shot games, tabletop games, reviews of items, and convention panels, and other exciting things that we run into from time to time. Sit back and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Kelly, a.k.a. Trixie from Ragnarok and Roll, assigned to Ragnarok Story, and Tilda Wimblewick from D&D Journey of the Fifth Edition. First off, I would just like to say thank you to everyone for listening to our varied adventures, as well as for rating us on iTunes and RPGpodcast.com. If you haven't rated us yet, we would greatly appreciate it if you could. And if you're looking for more ways to support our efforts, we are now on Patreon, a great site where you can help us continue making more podcasts, as well as some special surprises for our patrons. If you can, please look us up at www.patreon.com cppn. Every little bit helps. And again, thank you for listening. Hey guys, Jim here from Creative Play and Podcast Network, and I've got a special friend on the line here that would like to share a awesome game that we have played at, at RingCon. We have loved. We have actually, you know, I think we've oozed on the blog or oozed on a couple episodes of how great this game is. I just want to introduce you guys to Ben Ravensdale from Ravensdale Publishing, who has a game called Villains and Henchmen. Hey, Ben. Hey, Jim. Hi, everybody. How's it going? Hey, so tell us about Villains and Henchmen. All right, so Villains and Henchmen is a game where you get to play the bad guys. It's comic book themed. You're kind of playing super villains, trying to break a fellow villain out of maximum security prison. And you are buying superpowers in a variety of different combinations and using them to beat up the heroes, guards, and obstacles that are trying to thwart you. Nobody likes to be thwarted. It's not very nice, but, you know, we're villains. It's just what we have to put up with. Uh, There are 22 different powers in the game. And you are basically using them to fight the game itself. So you're not fighting against other players. The event deck for the game basically acts as the opposition. It brings out more heroes. It triggers all the different obstacles, things like that. And you are trying to weather that storm long enough to defeat the prison, break the villain out, and make your escape. But at the end of the game, even though it's mostly cooperative, you are going to tally up your villain points, which you get by defeating the heroes and guards that you fight along the way. And whoever has the most villain points gets to claim that they were the mastermind, you know, they're the the big bad villain, and everybody else was just their henchmen. So that's where the title comes from. Which It it is a fun game, because when we got to play it, we we had to strike, you know, like I said, struggle against some bad luck. We didn't win, but we still had a blast not winning. (laughs) (laughs) That's, That's good to know. I, I agree, and I like to think that most people have that reaction. We played a few games over uh, San Diego Comic-Con where the game kind of just crushed us. And, you know, if we had made some different choices in the powers we selected, it would have probably been a little bit different. But that's the way the game works, imperfect information. But uh, everybody had a blast, and several people came back multiple times to try again. So that's always a good sign. Oh, definitely. I mean, it's a great game. Usually takes, uh, from when we played it, a little over an hour usually. And uh, the nice thing is that I like is you can play it solo, so it's one person, or up to, you know, four people. Yeah, the solo play is uh, kind of a a happy accident. I was originally designing it with Sarah to be a two-player game, but then during some of the playtesting, you know, she wasn't available, and so I was kind of just doing it on my own, and I realized that there was no reason we couldn't tweak things a little to make it work as a one-player game so 
we just kind of figured, what the heck? Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's a cool thing. That if you're killing time, you can whip the deck out and just play the game. I mean, it's a great way to set the game up. Absolutely. And, of course, the cooperative aspect is really nice, too. I mean, you know, that way it's you guys against the good guys. Exactly. Villains don't always have to be at each other's throats, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was going to ask, because the artwork, it does have gorgeous comic book style artwork that... that hit so many you know archetypes that are just so perfect where do you guys you know find your artists for the artwork so our original art we like the original wave of art that we had for the game came from some friends of mine from various avenues um they were all very talented did they did things like the uh the space station setting and some of the heroes and some of the guards and some of the powers and then our main artist we actually came across when we were showing the game off at an unpub event and he played the game and he loved it and he like i think later that night he submitted a sample piece of art um to me via email because we had talked about him possibly doing some art for us mm-hmm. and it just blew us out of the water and so we were like you know what yeah we're gonna we're definitely gonna work with him samson's been part of the team for ravensdale publishing ever since then and he He's on Instagram at Sour, Sour Muse. It's Sour underscore Muse. So definitely check him out. He deserves a lot more followers than he has. And uh, he's definitely made the game look fantastic. Yeah, I mean, uh, I love the power mats. You know, the, the, when you're playing the game, that mat that you have for your character tells you everything that you need to know to play the game. Makes it super user-friendly. Yeah, that's uh, something that we implemented early on after some... You know, we we had a really basic version. Just it just had spots for the different powers and like where you put your defense, your power surge, your villain points. And then, um, you know, someone was like, "Oh, you should just have the turn order on here since you've already got the component." And it's such great feedback and such a basic idea. I don't know why we didn't think of it from the very beginning, but uh, it really does kind of help just organize things, keep it structured, keep things moving. So. Yeah, I mean, uh, when we played it, it was Trevor and I, and here you had, you know, me, who's a hardcore gamer, and my 12-year-old nephew, and we're both picking it up immediately. Like, by round two, we're like, okay, we got this. Everybody at the table, we're all we're all just jamming out on the game. So it's it's super kudos yeah. for, the, for the, the play mat. Thank you. Thank you. We've definitely found that it helps people to, like you said, kind of pick it up and just be able to follow the steps and, and go from there. So... Yeah, it makes it very smooth to play out. And, of course, the beautiful thing is the the villain you're playing, it could be different every time you play the game. We went for maximum customization. So, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of get randomized archetypes at the beginning, but you get to choose between two, and then you buy powers in whatever combinations you want from there. So, you know, like you said previously, it's kind of a little RPG in a box where you get to make a new villain character every time you play. Mm-hmm. And it's really cool powers too. Thank you. We tried to focus on the like the core classic comic book powers, and we tried to make them so that they provided different layers of complexity and strategy. So you can buy some some powers that are very straightforward. They're really useful at you know punching heroes and guards, and that's helpful. And you could also buy some powers that let you get a little bit of deck control, so that you can prevent obstacles from coming out or you can kind of control the order that the events will play out in and so it's you know just stuff that lets you either play the game really you know turn by turn or much more kind of long term looking at the the next few turns that are coming up and figuring out how you want to approach things so 
pretty pretty much meshing nicely with whatever your play style is. Yeah. And there's uh what over a dozen different events that you could you know pull as the actual meat and potatoes of the storyline. I think so. I think it's like thirteen or fourteen events total. Plus there are a couple of settings that come with special event cards that are really nasty. So yeah, there's there's all kinds of stuff that'll just ruin your day. Tons of replayability, which is awesome. We wanted to make sure that that was a, a core element as well because you know you don't want a game that you play it once, you play it the second time, and you're like, oh, that's pretty much exactly what happened the last time. And you play it a third time, and you're like, all right, well, we never need to play this again. So, Yeah, this is definitely a game that will not end up in the back of the closet. This will be one that's out on the game you know, <laughs> cabinet, waiting to be picked up every couple of weeks at least, if not every couple of days of, hey, I'm just going to do a quick match and see what happens. That is the goal. That's the dream. So. And uh, where exactly can folks find it right now while it is currently in the Kickstarter phase, by the way? Uh, yeah, so it's on our Kickstarter. It's on Kickstarter. So you can find our social media pages, uh, ravensdale.publishing on Facebook and on Instagram. And we're at ravenspublish on Twitter. And so if you find any of our social media pages, you'll be able to find a link to the Kickstarter page. You can check it out. Maybe if you're, you know, if you're interested in the game, if it sounds like something that's up your alley, back it, pick up a copy, um, and keep an eye out for us at different conventions. We'd love to have you come out and sit down and meet with us and play the game and tell us what you think. Oh, heck yeah. And it's one of those games that when you sit down and play it once, you're going to be like, okay, I want to get this game. Where can I get this game? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we have a lot of that reaction of, so can I buy this game right now? It's always kind of a, a gut punch when we have to tell them, no, I'm sorry, we can't. We don't have any copies. So, but it is a good reinforcement of how great the game is that people are immediately wanting, wanting that you give them a taste and they want more. Absolutely, that's true. Because you know, sometimes it's fun to play the baddies. My wife would say it's always fun to play the baddies. So. <laughs> I know uh, Kelly had mentioned when we were talking about this, you know, this morning that uh, you should uh, eventually, after this Kickstarter and it's been going for a while, you should come out with a special theme version, you know, like, you know, Victorian villains and henchmen or whatnot. And it's like, like I told her, it's like, I'll pass the message, but, you know, first steps first. <laughs> yeah, we've had a lot of people ask for, for different variants on the game. We've obviously had people ask us to build an expansion where you can play the heroes. We've had people ask us to build expansions where it's putting more of a sci-fi theme on the game or more of a fantasy theme on the game. But Victorian, that's the first time I've heard that one. That might actually be kind of a fun, kind mm-hmm. of like a, you know, Victorian, gothic, steampunky type of flair to it. So, hmm. You know, Igor trying to save Dr. Frankenstein from the Tower yeah, of exactly. London. <laughs> <laughs> make, it, make it more of a mini expansion so you don't have to work too hard for it. <laughs> right, right. And it's, I mean, it's definitely doable. So, so uh, have you done any of the RPG days for August, by the way? The RPG day for August? No. Um, so I actually hadn't known about that until you mentioned it. Kind of tuned into a couple minutes of some of your your episodes recently. Oh, okay. Um, I'll definitely. So yeah, I didn't. Is that like a standard August thing, or is yeah, that... it's it's usually every August for the last five years or so they come out with the uh, new one. Hmm. I'm gonna have to look more into it because I do love a good RPG. Mm-hmm. So. Well, I mean, come on, your card game is practically a good RPG. Oh, thank you. That's kind of what we were aiming for as far as the feel goes. <laughs> but speaking of the Star Wars RPG, the the funny thing with that is that I played the old school, like, was it the 3D6 system or the D6 system from way back in the day? 
the West End. I think it was called the Tristat Tri system or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I played that one. I played the – It was there was like a D20 version, and then there was one that came out right around the time that 4th edition came out. Yeah. The 4th edition D&D &D came out. played all three of those, and you know, I enjoyed them all. You know, they were what they were. And this new one came out, and I really, really wanted to like it based on the way that the mechanics were put together and, and everything like that. And a couple of times my, my other, like, really big Star Wars nerd friend and I tried it out, we just – we couldn't get the system to work for us the way we wanted to. Like, the die rolls were just a little bit too harsh for the players. Um, and so, like, it ended up with these fights that should have been fairly easy just being very – very frustrating experiences for the players because players, the dice just were not working out for us. And we had never quite figured out if we just didn't build the characters right or if we were missing something in the system, but we, we poured over it a few times and just it just never stuck with us, which is really unfortunate. See, that sucks. I mean, I, I know yeah. how that one works. Of, of It could be, was it a bad night? Was it just, you know, the bad dice? Or was it the system that is, is uphill battle? Yeah. And I mean, we tried it a couple different times and kind of ran into the same problems both times. So it might just be one of those things we... Every every gamer has their own, like, the systems that just click for them. It might just be that these mm -hmm. didn't click for us. So we just, we might need to have someone run the game for us who knows the system well enough that we can kind of be like, oh, okay, okay, now we get it. So, I don't know. But yeah, I, I love I, the concept behind it. Yeah, the, the narrative dice I'm a huge fan of. Uh, we've got a new group starting up playing Terranoth. It's their it's their IP that's basically fantasy setting for their tabletop Warpling game. Mm -hmm. So we're going to see how that one works, because I do love the magic system in it. It's super freeform. It's you can cast anything as complicated as you want to roll the difficulty for. Right. Which could be really good, or it could be Mickey Mouse trying to mop up the wizard's tower horribly bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, kind of like the, I don't know if you've played the Dresden Files Fate RPG. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I, I like that. The magic system and that's a little bit, I think it's a little clunky, mm -hmm. but overall I like the, I like what they were going for with it. Yeah. But it definitely has that same kind of idea where you can be like, yeah, you can get as complex as you want, but be careful. Do you want to risk the mental strain or burn down every building you cast a spell in? You know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which which they do a great job interpreting that of that's why Dresden's always burning shit down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not that he's being actively careless. He's just He's overreaching. He's pushing himself to the point where Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, he's he's in these situations where you feel he has to do this stuff. Um and so I, I did like actually pretty much everything they did to translate the stuff from the books into kind of an RPG mechanic or theme or whatever. So yeah, that's definitely one of those that you can tell the folks over at Evil Hat actually spent time loving the IP before they made the game for it. Yeah, for sure. And and of course, I'm a fan of you know the fate system because once you have like I always joke, fate's an advanced RPG. Once you get advanced RPGers that learn to relax and ad hoc and go and go with it from a more narrative point of view, because you know I've had some gamers in our group say that you know fate's not a role playing game; it's a storytelling game. But I'm like, no, it just means that it's an advanced RPG. You know, it's it's it requires you to to relax right. and enjoy it. 
Yeah, I can agree with that. I think the the couple of times I've really had the best time with Fate was when I played with people who are not my usual gaming group, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of counterintuitive because you would think you're more comfortable with your normal gaming group, and so everything should flow well. Um, and I think that, you know, like you said, there, there are some people who are going to be very comfortable with that kind of ad-libbing, you know, um, impromptu type coming up with stuff off the, fl- off the cuff. And some people aren't just, they're not like that. That's not one of their strengths. Yeah, they... um, so I feel like the couple times I've really had a successful fake game has been with people that I, I didn't know outside of the game who were all kind of in that mindset already. Yeah, like if you if you have a great improv group, it it works amazing because it literally is every action is something you're pulling on the fly. Yeah, it's it, it really it's one of those that breaks down for every role player. There's a role playing game, and you know just knowing what your strengths are and what you like. If you like the linear dungeon crawl, D and D, that's your that's going to be your thing of D twenty plus this. Do I hit? Do I miss? You know, fate. That's one right. of those ones of you're ad hocing aspects on the table. People are tapping into aspects. You're working cooperatively but independently. You know, and you know, for the GMs, it's can you make stuff, pull stuff out of your butt? If you can pull stuff out of your butt, you can run the game great. Yeah, exactly. You definitely have to be capable of that as a GM. So. Yeah, that's another uh, another RPG that I don't know if you've played this one or not. Uh, but might be worth checking out. It's called Dread. I've heard of it, not actually played it yet. Okay, it's great because it uses a Jenga tower as a like the resolution mm-hmm, mechanic. The, the big bad and comes. It's yeah. Well, it's it's basically it's supposed to be a a horror game or a suspense game, um, and so it's really meant to kind of capture that that feeling of horror movies where like the the dread is slowly building and the tension is slowly building over the course of the story. And so as players are taking out pieces of the Jenga tower and it's getting more wobbly, you know, every time they try to do something where there is a risk of failure, they have to take a block out of the Jenga tower. And if it falls, you are, your character's dead. Like it's, it's pretty, there's no real in between unless, you know, then storyteller needs there to be for narrative purposes so as the you kind of build towards the climax and like you said the big bad shows up or you know the they're making their confrontation with the spirit or whatever the to the story is the jenga tower is more wobbly and so now everybody's more stressed out and they're they're very tense and on edge and it's it's very very good i like it a lot yeah because when, when i heard of the concept i'm like oh that's a good one because you know our gaming groups we've done uh, we've got giant size jenga for conventions and stuff and it's like mm-hmm. oh that would be perfect for it you know <laughs> you know actually going to a man-sized yeah. pile jenga board and pulling out a piece and everyone having that whole butt pucker holds your breath moment because you're just waiting for it for sure especially Actually, I kind of like the idea of the life-size or the the giant-size Jenga version because then you could kind of do it as a – you might even be able to convert it to like a parlor-style LARP-type mm-hmm. game. That that would be fun. Huh. That would be interesting. Now I'm going to be obsessing over how I would pull that <laughs> off in the next few days. See, now I know uh, in a couple of weeks we've got a steampunk me- uh, get-together down in Bisbee, one of our local uh, Old West towns. Mm-hmm. And normally we do parlor tricks, you know, old Victorian-era parlor tricks. You could do a, like, American Werewolf in London, you know, victim game and use the Jenga for the dread 
of the who gets attacked next by Dr. Jekyll or the werewolf or whatever Victorian horror you're dragging out. Right. That's yeah, that's a cool idea. That that way it adds hmm. to the you're not just sitting there, you're actually interacting. So you got a case of the nerves, you know, building up. Yeah. Especially if like you have the Jenga tower kind of somewhere where not everybody can see it from every angle in the room. <laughs> so every once in a while people will like go to the Jenga tower and realize that people have have moved blocks because they've been doing things that they don't want other people to know mm-hmm. about. And so like you get there and you're like, Oh yeah, the last time I saw the tower, it was fine. And you go back there and you're like, Oh crap. Do I really want to actually do this thing or not? Hmm, this is an interesting concept. Like when someone takes that middle piece out just right. So now you can't pull the left and right ones out and leave the middle one. Right. Oh, Jenga. That's <laughs> ah, a fun yep. game. Uh, we've got a, a drinking version that when you pull out a piece, it has the take one shot, person to the left takes a shot, right takes a shot type of thing. That very dangerous game to go on too long, but it's fun. I I bet. Um... <laughs> In small doses or with teams, because teams works out quite well. Oh, yeah. Can you, you know, alternate taking the drinks and stuff like that. That, so that way you're being safe. Yeah, for sure. So uh, what's other than the Star Wars game? What have you played recently? Uh, recently, I played today Artemis. I don't know if you've played it at uh, any of the conventions. It's basically like a Star Trek deck simulator. Yeah, I've heard a lot about it. I've actually it's it's been going around this convention circuit, as far as I know, for like at least a decade. I could be wrong about that, but it seems like it's been yeah, that it's, long. It's, and it's been getting better and better. I mean, uh, over at our friends Karen and Tony's, they've set up the, uh, the the copy that they'll have for Rincon, and we got to basically play test the mm-hmm. heck out of it today. We found out that in space, there's a setting where you can add extra monsters, so it's basically pockmarked with with danger. And there are space dragons, which looks like a classic uh, the classic bronze dragon where it has the wings that go all the way to the tail, and Oh, and yeah, you yeah. can kite the dragon into enemy vessels so it kills them for you. We discovered that. <laughs> it's always good to learn these things. And there was space sharks. So we, we we discovered some new things in Artemis, which was funny. Space sharks. Yeah, no thank you. We didn't you. run into one yet because the, the dragon actually took some quick mini videos off the, the projector screen. But the sharks, we didn't actually decide to go see. We wanted to complete the mission before the mission timed out. And the cool expansion is if you get, uh, you have extra people, so you have all of the bridge crew spots, you can actually have a fighter jet come out of your ship now and have it join in the battle with you. That's kind of yeah. cool. I like that idea. that way you got a little guy that's got torpedoes. So now you can launch yep. fighters. <laughs> and, and you got to be careful, though, because, of course, whoever plays your weapons, if you drop a nuke on the enemy, you usually take your own fighter out by accident. Just from the, the, the pure area right. effect, you know, of the let your fighter know when to retreat because the damage is coming. Yeah, for sure. There's a um, there's a similar game. Well, it's kind of a similar concept called Starship Valkyrie. Mm-hmm. Up here in Southern California, there's a guy that runs them. I forget his name. I want to say it's Chris. I could be wrong. But um, it, it's basically a, it's more of a LARP. On the LARP, it's more on the LARP side of things or the live action role play side of things for those of you who don't know the acronym. It's very kind of Star Trek Artemis inspired because it's it's all about, you know, different crew members working to overcome different challenges while on a mission. And so the the guy who runs it is basically put together these different puzzle boards and, and um, little manual dexterity tasks and things like that that you can do. And so 
in engine if you're on the engineering crew and the shields go down then you might have to you know fix the shield generator and there's a, a specific puzzle task you can do for that and the science team has to like do these tasks to co complete research projects to make your weapons stronger or to overcome the the enemy's specialized shields or whatever it's it's a really cool game That's awesome. um so if anybody's in the in the southern california area starship valkyrie i recommend checking it out cool we'll have to see if we can find no oh, oh. there's my cat sorry <laughs> we'll have to see if we can find uh, if i can find a link and i'll see if i can put it in the show notes so that way they can check it out because hey that's the beauty when you talk with other gamers is you find you know you know one game they know of another game and then you exchange notes and basically that's how we make the the, the world a smaller place with games yeah absolutely and obviously the internet helps mm -hmm. but there's nothing quite as good as, like you said, talking to other gamers. Yeah, the internet is great, but then again, the internet can be bad because if you get some bad reviews or if somebody's, you know, just it's not their game, so they throw it out there that they don't like it, it's like then it could turn some people off. That's I, I personally like word of mouth because that way I know who I'm talking to and what kind of gaming they like. So that way you can kind of, you know, you, you yeah. know the filter. You know, it's like, do, does this person like Catan or does this person like something more of a role play, you know? Right. I was going to say, I find that there's a lot of that, you know, when people do give their opinions about a game online, they do tend to just say, oh, you know, it's it's not a good game because of this. Or or even just, I don't like it because of this. And, like, I, I get it. You know, they're providing their opinion and everything like that. But it, I feel that it does influence some people. And it's often not the most accurate explanation of a game. Because... One person may have played it, and they had this one experience, and so they're focusing on one element of the game that may have, you know, ruined the experience for them or made them decide, you know, it just wasn't their game, which is cool. But then they turn around and they basically pose it as, or they present it to other people as, this game is bad, not this game isn't doesn't suit my play style, and that's why I'm not going to play it again. Exactly. So... Yeah, and then like with so many people I tell with different games is you can have three different people run three different the, the same game and you're having three different experiences. Absolutely. You know, I mean, heck, like at uh, Rincon, what, two years ago, three years ago? When uh, you came down to Tucson mm -hmm. and ran Rincon, at, you ran uh, Villains and Henchmen, we had a bad streak of luck. It was bad. You warned us, hey, guys, this is like a near impossible scenario you put yourselves in. <laughs> We played the hell out of it. We lost, but we had a blast playing it. I mean, my nephew for the next year was asking, you know, when is Villains and Henchmen coming back? Because <laughs> <laughs> he just liked the fact that we were playing the baddies. Yeah, and I, it's definitely the kind of thing where that hook brings in a lot mm -hmm. of people. Um, you, we get occasionally, the every once in a while, the person who's like, oh, this game would be great if you were playing the heroes. And just like, okay. But that's not the point. <laughs> I, I can respect that, I guess. But that's, you know, yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, the, even theme is not for everybody. You know, I, like, personally, I'm, I'm not a fan of rail games, like you know, Ticket to Ride or any of that stuff. Like, the train theme does not speak to me in mm -hmm. the slightest. I'm sure they're great games. Yeah, it's it's I, I I'm the same way. If a theme doesn't speak to you, that's you know. oh yeah, you're not a ticket to ride. I'm uh, not a ticket to ride or Catan. Of course, then again, I used to play with uh, Monopoly with my aunt when I was a kid years ago, and we'd have the three day games 
of the two of us just oh. bashing it out and everyone else quitting because, you know, we had to be the winner. Because I'm not a power gamer now. Right. Once I got into role-playing games, I got out of that mindset of I have to be the winner and realized that it's more of this shared mm-hmm. experience than the I must be the alpha male. <laughs> but usually... Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's a good mindset to have moved mm-hmm. into. <laughs> because most of those games, it's 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 too uncooperative and it becomes more of a mind, my mind. At least in my opinion, depending on your gaming group, of course, because of course, with the right group, Settlers of Catan is great if you're playing the Vikings expansion where the group is forced mechanically to play together. So you actually you actually right. are rewarding the group as a whole. If we don't cooperate, build a knight, the Vikings will arrive, we lose. But it's interesting. You need a expansion yep. to force you into making it a, a good game. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make it a game that you that you mm-hmm. enjoy. Yeah, um, and I, I'm not really not a Settlers fan either. It's kind of the first, it was the first big board game that I played outside of Monopoly, Risk, you know, Life, sorry, all the all the kind of classics, and um, hated it. <laughs> it just, it was not for me because it was so, and maybe it's because of my experiences with Monopoly and mm-hmm. Risk, or that was the board game experience where you had to crush the other mm-hmm. players. And that's the mindset that the people who taught me Catan brought to the game. And so I was just like, I, I don't find these games fun. They, they end up being work. They end up being stressful. They end up making me annoyed with my friends. And that's just not the experience that I want. And so I stuck with my D&D stuff and started looking for other board games that, you know, had a different flavor to them. Because, hey, I'm a huge fan, and I know my wife, Kelly, she's a massive, huge fan of cooperative games. You know, she likes the games where we win or fail as a team, you know? Yeah, and there's so many more of them out there now. Um, Like Sentinels of the Multiverse, which I'm sure Mm -hmm. you've heard of. Okay. Um, And then Battle for Greyport is another good one. The people who did... um, uh, Slugfest games. People who did Red Dragon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Red Dragon Inn was a game that my wife and I really got into when it first, you know, started to get big. And you know, we played it. We really liked it. And then it started turning into one of those games where, really, the whole idea is that you're trying to destroy the other players. You're either trying to beat them up or get them drunk, or you're trying to take all their mm-hmm. money, rather than surviving a night of and debauchery. Right, exactly. You know, can we pay our tab so by then, the end of the when, night? And then when Battle for Greyport came out, it was kind of using the same characters and whatnot, but it was a cooperative deck builder where you're actually, you know, trying to defend the city of Greyport against the monsters, and it's purely cooperative, and there's a lot of player interaction, and there's a lot of, you know, playing card, cards from your hand on the other player's turn. Uh, we really like that one. So it, it quickly became one of our favorite co-ops. Yeah, one one of our favorite ones is a uh, unknown. If you had the chance, it's a post-apocalyptic. You're basically doing the whole, we're coming out of our bunker, and the players have to keep these survivors alive in the bunker. So you have to work together to like go find food, and somebody brings it back to the community. So you have this really great fallout feel that you're trying to save everybody in the bunker, and everyone has a specialty that they're good at, which is great, because it, it leads to... I'm going to share my resource with you because you are the you are the hunter, so you get extra meat from kills. So rather than me, right. the runner, who's really good at running through the complex, I don't want the bullets. I'll give you the bullets, and you know I'll, I'll grab the food you save and 
give it back to the people. Right. And you said the game is called Unknown? Unknown, yeah. It's a really great game. And it's the cool thing with the game is you, it's for mm. players, you know, it's it's sort of like with Villains and Henchmen. You can solo play the game, which is a great feature. And the deck gives you rules and oh, cool. how you stack the random encounters while you're doing it. Because what you do is you go out to a tile, you explore the tile. If it's an encounter, you get knocked back, and then the fight starts. And I and see. pretty much the you don't actually die if you get taken out. You get dropped down to the ground, and you can be rescued. If you choose to do one of the missions oh, where I you see. can die, all of your gear you know drops where you die. But the problem is everyone has to have a player or you lose the game. So there's one of those ones of you don't want to leave someone stranded to die. Right. Because, you know, it's it's and then there's hmm. horrible things like you're because you're the concept is you're basically doing a, you know, apocalyptic cave system that it's, it's slowly is branching out and building. And when, you play it like dominoes, basically. And you're you're picking the path that you guys are making. You know, you can decide I want to turn here and you have to be careful for certain things. Like if you find a tile that has fire, well, on fire's turn, fire grows mm -hmm. one square. So it motivates you to quickly work together as a team to get the, anyone can do it, but get salvaged together to make a barricade to stop the fire. And then, of course, you're going to want to okay. take a left fork instead of going to the hallway you know is fire death. So that way you've got that, <laughs> that little kick where we need to work together to, to survive as a group or we all die in the unknown. Right. Hmm. I just wanted to check that out. That sounds Yeah, I'll shoot you the link. And price point wise, you know, it's, it's a really good deal. Because you do get lots and lots of stuff. Okay. And, you know, little wooden meeples. Because, you know, everybody out. needs more meeples. You never yep. have too many meeples. Actually, my, for my wife, it's you can never have too many dice. We were just at uh, San Diego Comic-Con a couple weeks ago, and we spent too much money on new sets of dice. I think we ended up with an extra 30, four, sorry, an extra 14 sets of dice to add on to our already massive uh, collection. So. As, as Kelly would say, you can never have enough dice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's an addiction, but it's one we're happy hey, to see. Of addictions, that's one of the safer ones. <laughs> Until they all start rolling one, and you have True. to punish them and put them in dice jail. Yeah, um, I don't, I don't have an official dice jail. I, they basically just go back into my dice bag. But <laughs> to the dark recesses you know. of the dice bag. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Speaking of my dice bag, I actually I, I posted a photo of it on Instagram um, not that long ago. But I when I was at another convention. There was a, what was the name of that company, babe? It was uh -huh. Uber Dungeon? Yeah. Yeah, there's a company called Uber Dungeon. They make these really awesome dice bags. And mine has a really cute picture of, of like, kind of a chibi-style minotaur on it. Yeah, <laughs> and so I'm I'm pretty pleased with it. I, you should definitely check them out if you're looking for a new dice That's bag. That's cool. Because, yeah, anything that brings more cute, adorable art, I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <sighs> Any games that you're looking to play in the near future? Pretty much. I've got a ton of games. Like tomorrow we're playing our High Seas Shenanigans D&D game, where the whole group are aquatic pirates, basically. And then okay. uh, Monday, I'm running my goblin group, which is one I look forward to because it's an e all-evil race. They're all playing goblinoids. So you have weird bugbears, hobgoblins. So I've, I've been pretty much firmly locked down into the role-playing front right now. But I am definitely hoping uh, to see some villains gotcha. and henchmen shortly because, you know, I've been so been trying to get a hold of a copy. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> we. Um, actually, when is the next Rincon? Uh, the next Rincon is coming up September 29th, uh, 2018. Uh, hmm. Okay. Might not be able to make it this year. I don't know. 
We do also. I'll take, I'll take a look. Okay, It'd we do also have a, a new convention that's hitting in uh, basically Mesa, you know, Phoenix area, called Crit Hit, which is a good mm-hmm. one too. C R I T. Okay, when is that? They have a. They normally happen in April. They just happen there, but they have a winter edition that they're saying they're coming out with called Winter's Coming. So they're going to be basically <laughs> do a point uh, five for the convention, so you can have a mini con in the middle of the winter. Gotcha. Okay. And of course, uh, depending on the date on that one, we might be able to hit that one up. Yeah, I, b- I bet you guys had a blast at San Diego Comic Con. We did. Yeah, we um, we always enjoy that convention. It's always stressful leading up to it, and then we have a great time there, and then we're exhausted for like a week and a half left <laughs> afterwards. You have to have that whole so, recuperation. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, but yeah, we launched the Kickstarter there. We had some cosplayers um, who were just. They just knocked it out of the park. They were fantastic. Um, we had a guy do the brute, mm-hmm. uh, who's the the guy with the big shoulder pads and the big hammer, uh, one of the archetypes, and uh, he was he looked great. They they all just did a great job. But um, yeah, San Diego Comic Con is always great. It's just it's just so tiring, mm-hmm. so stressful. It's the whole fighting to get there, then 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 it's amazing, then fighting to get out of there. Yeah, yeah, we um. We managed to get pretty lucky with that for the most part because we're in the game room, mm-hmm. not on the exhibit floor. We don't have to come into a set schedule. We basically we go pick up our badges at one of the, the few like lines or one of the few registration booths that never has a line. And then from there, we just walk right into the game room, drop our stuff off. They usually let us like store it overnight. Nice. Um, and we just come back the next morning and set it up and we don't have to like cart stuff in and out every day. It's it's pretty awesome. That makes life so, so much better. It, yeah, it's ugh. such a stress reliever. <laughs> have you been up to the San Diego Comic Con? Uh, we have not actually made it. A lot of our friends go every year. It's still on the uh, the mecca list, you know, Dragon Con, San Diego Comic Con. It's one of those of we will make it eventually, but we've just had bad timing with work and all during that exact time of the year. Ah, gotcha. Plus, getting the tickets and whatnot can be a pain. Oh, yeah. So. Lurking on the internet at the wee hours of the night and trying to click that button. Yeah. If you, as long as you find a, you know, other accommodations, mm-hmm. that makes it a lot more cost-effective because those hotel expenses, their costs are just – they're just so crazy. Oh, yeah. We're, we're going to be out for uh, Gaslight Expo in, uh, in October. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, the, the hotel prices with the, the visitor tax and the things get, gets, gets a little up there. Yeah, just a little. And of course, when when we go out of town for cons, we always like to do the whole show up a day early and leave a day late, so that way you don't have to rush. Yeah, yeah. Sarah and I are the same way. We um we used to do that every year for Gen Con when we were going regularly. We would, like you said, fly in a day early, have a day to kind of relax, grab our badges, kind of get ourselves settled into the hotel, and then a day late so that we could just sleep in, have a nice leisurely breakfast. Let everybody else rush to get to the mm-hmm. airports. So it makes life so much easier. <laughs> yeah. The only problem is it's more expensive yep. that way because it's the extra yeah, couple the of extra, nights. The extra two nights will cost you, but you know, it's one of those of as long as we know it's coming, it's it's a good thing to plan for. And you know, hey, if you have yeah. friends that are on the convention staff, you can hang out with them because they're usually there the extra night too. <laughs> That's true, yeah. Um, and they don't usually have a whole heck of a lot of time to hang out exactly. during the convention, so it's a great opportunity. Actually, I think the, I was gonna say I think the last time that Sarah and I were at Gen Con, we we ended up spending a bunch of extra money kind of at the last minute because 
obviously you buy so much mm-hmm. stuff there. And I literally ended up flying home with a suit of plate mail, <laughs> <laughs> which obviously added a little bit to our like check mm, baggage yeah. costs. Um, but the plate mail itself was a, a really good deal. So it, it ended up being totally worth it, but it was more than we had planned to spend. And, and so. I'm betting that's probably the armor that's on someone's Facebook right now. <laughs> Actually, no, that's not it. Um, the, the plate mail that we got back then, that's, I still have it. It's it's a lot more beaten up and it looks a little different now. But the stuff in my Facebook profile is actually stuff that I got through. Oh, I forget the name of the store. It's it's a a store that deals with um, props mm-hmm. from movies and basically like it'll be all kinds of different costuming and prop stuff. And so once the movie studio decides, hey, we're not going to use this anymore, they sell it off to whoever they sell it off to and it ends up at the store. And so some friends of mine who are in the kind of acting theater community up in LA and Hollywood, who are friends of mine through my live action role-playing games were like, Hey, there's this awesome armor available in this prop (laughs) store. If anybody wants to pick it up, let me know. And I jumped on that because it's, it's amazing armor. It's actually, um, it's all Mm -hmm. resin. And it's a replica from, or it's props from the movie uh, Snow White and the Huntsman with uh, Chris Hemsworth and uh, Shirley's mm-hmm. Throne. And being resin, that's a lot nicer on the weight. Yeah, it's much, much lighter. Um, but it just, it still looks fantastic. See, that's so, a cool find right there. Yeah, and I think they they sold it, like the full set, I think I got for like 150 bucks. Oh, wow. Bucks. That, that's, that's actually in, yeah. in the affordable range. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was it was definitely a steal because it came with the helmet, the breastplate, the bracers, the legs. So yeah, it was it was totally worth it. That's awesome. <laughs> Pays to know people. Hey, in in much of the gaming community, that's that's exactly true because it's like the, hey, you want to talk to so and so? Hey, come on, let's talk to so and so, and then you make a friendship for life. You know. Yeah. That's that is the one amazing thing that uh, like when we first started doing gaming conventions, uh, my wife, she wasn't a big one for public gaming, which she quickly turned around on because right. she made all these amazing friends. And then she gets excited to see her once a year friends that you only get to see at the convention. Yeah, I, I totally know that feeling. One of those special things where it's like, hey, we get to finally hang out. It's only going to be for a couple hours. So it's super special that we get to hang out and game together. Yep. We um, we had a pretty close knit group of friends when we were going to Gen Con regularly um, and there were people we'd always meet up, meet up for meet up with for dinner the first night and usually once more right at the end of the convention. And, uh, and it's been long enough now that we've kind of fallen out of contact, mm-hmm. but still look back on it with fond memories for sure. It's always nice having that survivor's night at the end of we made it. <laughs> Sad that it's yeah. over, but so glad that we made it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's that's usually something we do here in town because we've got uh, RingCon, Tuscon, which is a uh, local science fiction and horror writer convention, then Tucson Comic Con, then we head out to Gaslight Expo in California, then we come back to Tucson for for one more event. That's uh, the the Dickens Tea Party for our steampunk group, and after that we're pretty much done. Okay. <laughs> It's like guys, we're 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 not doing anything for the next three days. <laughs> yeah, I can understand that. That's a that's a busy schedule. So. Oh yeah, but it, but it's worth it. It's all fun times. It's always nice to kind of get that downtime though. You kind of return to normal life. You you know you get your house cleaned up because it's been a whirlwind disaster <laughs> zone. You you know coming in doing one event, then leaving, going to another event. But 
but yeah. Have all the totes set up a month before. Everything's good in moderation. <laughs> Including moderation. Yeah. But yeah, we'll see about getting um you said Tucson Comic Con. When is Tucson that? Tucson Comic Con is I can get you the exact dates, but it is in October this year. And then we have Tuscon, okay. like literally they're they're back to back to back to back. Like I can shoot you the dates if you need them though. But Tucson Comic Con's a good one because they have a huge gaming can... expo now. They actually have two big conference rooms reserved for tabletop gaming and role playing mm-hmm. gaming. Okay. I'm going to have to check that one out. That one in October might actually yeah, be good. Yeah, it touches both PowerPoints for villains and henchmen. Comic books and gaming. Yeah, it's perfect. We actually we hit up a lot of comic book conventions here in Southern California for that. Um, actually, I think it's the vast majority of the conventions we're at are comic book conventions. Um, there's fewer gaming conventions overall over the course of the year so. But we want to start branching out outside of Southern California a little bit, showing the game off in neighboring states and some of the other slightly bigger conventions across the country. We just have to figure out the most... Yeah, the best bang for your buck, because, you know, it is time and money. Efficient way of doing that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Much as we'd love to so. hit every convention, we, you know, I understand that one completely. <laughs> we, all, we all have nine to five jobs, and we only have so much vacation time. All right. Well, definitely thank you for coming on the show, man. And we're going to get this out. I do have to ask one question because it is August, which is time for hashtag RPG a day 2018. Are you, are you up for that? Absolutely. Go for it. Okay. So for August the 5th, we've got August the 5th. We have, what is your favorite reoccurring NPC in an RPG? It's a, it's a good question. That is a good question. Hmm. I'm going to have to think about that one for just a second. The problem is I'm drawing on, what is it now, 25 years of <laughs> RPG history where I'm trying to think of a... And it's midnight. And it's midnight, yeah. <laughs> so I would have to say that there was a, there's a D&D game that my friends and I were playing when we were deployed on ship. Um, when I was doing my stint in the Navy and I was running and there was this one NPC who kept coming back and he was kind of like offering these different Faustian deals to the players, basically saying like, Hey, I'll give you everything you've ever wanted. No strings attached, quote unquote. (laughs) Um, and so it was kind of like the, the genie's wish, wish trap where mm-hmm. you know you wish for a million dollars and he gives you a million dollars but they're all in currencies that are no longer accepted or whatever <laughs> and generally speaking like all the players were just like the second he showed up they they would say no he wouldn't they wouldn't have anything to do with him they just <laughs> so it was kind of a running theme where he would just kind of pop in and be like so and they'd be like no and they just leave and then towards the end of the campaign, he goes to this one player who he's playing an elven ranger. He's got this vendetta against dragons and everything like that. He's like, I will, he's like, hey, hey buddy, I will help you kill every dragon that you come across. I will give you the power to slay any dragon. And the guy was like, you know what? Yes, let's do it. <laughs> and so the the NPC was like, snaps his fingers and he turned to the guy into an uh, a dragon slaying oath bow mm-hmm. 
So he was like, he was an intelligent, he became an intelligent artifact <laughs> that was explicitly designed to destroy dragons. And like, that was the end of his character because nobody else <laughs> knew where he was and knew what had happened. And so it kind of just got written into like this recurring legend of like, I know a lot of the other games I've run since then about this, you know, there's this bow that as long as you agree to help it kill dragons, like it's just the best bow in the world. So watch what you wish for. Exactly. You never take offers from a guy who just appears out of a puff of smoke. Could ju- I could just see that now. They're all in a quicksand pit up to their necks. He shows up and they're in unison. No. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's like, all right, fine. You guys are no fun. <laughs> You know, a combination of uh, the guy who ran Needful Things and Q from Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sort of. But with that nice demeanor. <laughs> yeah, he was very pleasant about it. Speaking of, like, Faustian deals and stuff like that, um, there's a show on Hulu called The Booth at the End. Mm-hmm. It's only got, like, two seasons, and it came out years ago. Um, but I highly recommend you watch it. I'm not going to say anything else other than that. The booth at the end on Hulu. Definitely check it out. All right. You got it. (laughs) Is it one of those I'm going to lose a few nights in the weekend? For sure. Yes. (laughs) That's the best kind of movie to binge. Yeah, it it definitely is. But thanks very much for having me on. I really do appreciate it. And uh, it's always nice to chat. It's been too long since we caught up. Oh, heck yeah. I mean, mean, we Facebook every now and then, but, you know, it's good to actually get on and actually hear each other's voice and, you know, chit-chat. Absolutely. We'll have to... uh, See about doing like some collaborations, maybe doing some online gaming or something like that. Oh heck yeah! You know so, I'm always willing to do that. Same here. All right, and I'll shoot you the links for the uh, upcoming events just to let you know what's going on over the next six months or so. Just so if you want to plan to uh, show up or you know always run a game or so somewhere, you know that that's always appreciated. Yeah, for sure. Um, always looking for opportunities to go to other events and spread the word. All right, Ben, thank you very much for coming on, and uh, you have a great night, because I know I I kept you up real late tonight. (laughs) (laughs) My pleasure. Thanks for having me on, and uh, get some sleep. Oh, heck yeah. You too, my friend. All right, thanks. Have a good night. Here in the force of Elandril, we elves defend the woods from beasts and men. I myself have helped drive off goblin raiders, slain a giant spider, and composed an elven symphony for the Blood Moon Harvest Festival. And that was before lunch. So when I'm not sliding down the trunk of a barbarian elephant beast after killing it and its occupants with only my dagger and a few arrows, I look forward to coming home to a Dungeon Crate. Dungeon Crate is a monthly subscription box service crafted specifically for RPG and tabletop gamers. Miniatures, dice, tokens, coins, maps, modules, terrain pieces, handmade items, RPG jewelry and more are yours for only a few gold per month. You even get a digital crate along with a physical one as an added bonus. As an elf, I appreciate quality craftsmanship, and Dungeon Crate delivers, even if it's put together by humans. Sir, sentries have discovered several dwarves and a wizard trespassing in our woods. I was wondering what that smell was. DungeonCrate.com. Are you ready? Let the adventure begin. Thank you for listening to the Creative Play and Podcast Network. And feel free to enjoy our other shows, such as D&D Journey of the Fifth Edition and Scion Ragnarok and Roll, a Scion hero to Ragnarok story. 
Thank you for listening.